the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, my visionary friends. Thank you for joining us on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. So take notes, sit back, and enjoy. This hour, we'll delve into evolution through sacred geometry. Few of us give the esoteric aspect or the energetic aspect of ourselves any thought. Yet, each of us is surrounded by a scientifically recognized electromagnetic field generated by the physical body. Many parts of the body participate in this field, but the largest contributor is the heart. The human body, when healthy, resonates at a frequency between 62 to 72 hertz. The base atmospheric electromagnetic frequency of the Earth is 7.83 hertz. Everything has an electromagnetic field, even if only at the microscopic atomic level. These fields interact. Bioelectrical magnetics is the study of the interaction between electromagnetic fields and biological entities. There's also a geometric interpretation of electromagnetism, which brings us to sacred geometry. How fascinating this hidden world of energetics that we're all subject to. But what does this mean for us as individuals? Can we learn to actively control and maximize our personal frequency? Can we take advantage of the interactive properties of electromagnetic fields? If we do so, can we be to a heretofore avenue to the ununified field and personal evolution? With us this hour, to hopefully demystify the evolutionary aspects of sacred geometry, is Marine J. St. Germain. Marine is an Ascension teacher and best-selling and award-winning author. Her latest book, Beyond the Flower of Life, is a re-release of her 2011 best-selling book. She's developed techniques to access your higher self and teaches the power of sacred tools. She's taught in 24 countries, and her books have been translated into 11 languages. Maureen has taught at the American Centers Kripalu and the Omega Institute. She's been featured on National Geographic Specials, Gaia TV, and Conscious Life Expo. Her website, MaureenStGermain.com. Maureen, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. My pleasure. It should be a fun conversation. <laughs> it's, it should be. It should be. So let's start out with what, what's your educational background? Um, I'm largely self-taught. I went to college for a few years, and I began working with uh, spiritual teachings in my early 20s. I worked in the corporate world for about 30 years. I was a CEO of nonprofits. I was a fundraiser, and I um, helped businesses that were in the association management business. So I've had a lot of leadership roles and a lot of uh, self-education. I've, I, I, I was trained as an Essene minister, and I have a lot of other esoteric-type training, but I don't really talk about those too much because I feel they're a conglomerate, and I also uh, have a, 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 an opinion that we're only as good as what we remember or what we can speak about or what we know. So what uh, of all that, all the leadership roles and everything, brought you to being an Ascension teacher? I became interested in the work 
of the Merkaba. And that is an esoteric term that stands for a spaceship that you build by yourself for yourself. But it's a ship, so to speak, an energetic field that is based on sacred geometry. So that's where we started. Yeah. And so what, what is for? Yeah. What is an ascension teacher exactly? It's someone who is helping people uh, step into their sovereignty, step into their true power, teaches them how to connect with their inner wisdom and get 100% accuracy, and helps them recognize that there is a difference in the way we have lived for the past millennium to the way we're starting to live now and in the future. And what do I mean by that? Is we are moving from what I call linear to, which is third dimension, to a fifth dimension, which is non-linear. And the difference is linear is cause and effect. It's based upon logic. And non-linear is largely intuitive. So it means in my world, the, the training I give people is I teach them how to gain access to inner knowledge and then I show them the math and the science behind it. And then I also recommend that they do their own uh, research and then ask what we would call the intuitive question, what's in my highest and best good? So even though you're following logic all the way to the end, if your inner wisdom says something different, then you would go with that. So it sounds like you're trying to marry the left and the right brain. Indeed. Well said. So, so would you define sacred geometry for us? We all know what geometry is, but what's sacred geometry? Sacred geometry is when we begin to see that the information that we are looking at could not possibly be random. And we move from a random-based science to a science that respects the very likelihood that creation was an orchestrated event and that we are part of it. I point to the sacred geometry of phi, which is one of the many parts, one of the biggest parts of the sacred geometry lexicon. And if you want, I can kind of explain that a little bit deeper. Um, okay. <laughs> or, or I can wait, you know, if you have more questions you want to ask, and then I can go segue back to it. Okay. So what's the relationship between sacred geometry and the human electromagnetic field? Well, the human electromagnetic field is, uh, you know, when I heard you in the intro, I thought to myself, your statement about that the body creates all this, I, I actually thought the exact opposite. I think the energetic bodies are creating the physical body. I think it comes from the outside in, and that the outside are these energetic bodies, which are the, the layers, the etheric body, the emotional body, the mental body, and the physical body, and that the physical body is the end result rather than the other way around. We sitting in the physical body are looking out thinking that we're the center and everything else is on the outside of us. But what if it's the other way around? What if it's both? Indeed. Because so, if we're talking circles, that would mean. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking symbols. Okay, so everybody has heard of pi, um, the geometric uh, relationship between a circle and its radius. And it can be 2 pi r, which is the circ circumference, or pi r squared, which is the radius, <clears throat> is it, which is the um, uh, uh, area of a circle. And in both cases, whether you have a little circle or a big circle, the relationship of pi to the radius is the same. In other words, radius changes, radius size changes, the times radius changes, but pi never changes. And pi is is um, uh, <clears throat> 3.14. Now, we all know this. We were taught to memorize it in school, but it's not really a number. It's a relationship. And, it's, and when you begin to understand that it's the relationship that is significant, then we can go to the next most significant relationship that was discovered in the world of geometry and sacred geometry, and that is the relationship between the bones of the body, and it's found throughout the human body. It's found in the relationship of Venus and Mercury and the sun. This relationship is found um, in the DNA, 
And that's 1.618, or phi, P-H-I. And phi has all these magical qualities. We find it in the plants. We find it in the, in the spiral of like a sweet pea um, uh, uh, tendril. We find it in um, the way the plant leaves actually come off the main stem. We find it everywhere. It's also used in art and, of course, advertising. And so I began working with this and working with this and working with this. And the, and the meditation that I teach is based on this number, 1.618. And I began to realize that 1.618, or phi, is source code for everything and how we evolve. And if you look at how we grow, you can expect that we're going to grow in that phi ratio. And one of the ways to visualize it is to look at the spiral. So the modern paisley print is based on that spiral. The conch cell of a um, uh, sea animal is in that spiral. And so that spiral becomes very familiar. It's even in the bass clef of music. I know that that the sacred spiral is found in cave drawings uh, all over the continent. I mean, in we see them here in the in the uh, cave drawings on on this continent. But clear as far as way as, as Australia, which was supposed to be isolated during that time, it's the same thing. It's there as well, and, and the please. sacred sacred spiral moves up and down at the same time, doesn't it? Well, and that's the whole point. Phi is the only division of one that produces the same relationship going forward or backwards, which is why it's the same in both directions. Pretty fascinating. Words, there's no other division of one or of any number, truly, that would produce the same distance in both directions. And that's why you can go backwards. Now, think about this. One of the things that I received in meditation was the idea that if we were to imagine our past because of our connection to the spiral, we're always going to go back to the timeline version that we have come from rather than some other version of time and space. Well, this kind of relates to that uh, mathematically proven formula that says causality is equal parts past and future, but only happens in the present. Mm, I like it. <laughs> I have not heard that. Oh, I'll have to send that to you. It's, okay. You, you'll find it fascinating. Now, we're just about out of time in this segment, but I would like to go back to what does generate the electromagnetic field around the body? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> so, that was a question. Oh, I thought you were going to go to the break and leave everyone hanging. <laughs> no, no, not yet. <laughs> I believe it came from, I think it came, source came first. And that, that we are a, a reflection of the outer bodies, the energetic bodies that produce the physical body. And the reason I believe this is because we have actual proof that people who have biases or emotion, you know, a chip on your shoulder about something, then they get sick. And when they change their belief and their behavior, they can get better. So you're saying that we do have control of our energetics. Yes, we do. We have free will. And but that doesn't that originate from within versus without. So we have the template, we have the pattern. We're likely to follow the pattern. It is the path of least resistance, but it doesn't mean we can't deviate from the pattern. It doesn't mean that we won't deviate. It just means that we're very likely to follow the pattern, which is this five relationship of expansion and contraction. So that's also, you said, represented in the, actually in the DNA. It is. So the, the, the um, grooves in the spiral of the DNA can be measured, and they're measured in angstroms. An angstrom is one ten billionth of a meter. And amazingly, uh, you can find this measurement of 3421, which is something that is found on the Fibonacci sequence. You find that relationship, 34 angstroms to 21. Well, we'll pick up on angstroms on the other side of this commercial break that I promised, but it is time for that break. We will return, Maureen and I, shortly, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, 
www.exontvchannel.com. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To all our faithful and thoughtful audience, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about sacred geometry? This in from a member of the audience regarding the episode entitled, The Mysterious Fluid Nature of Time. BT shares, like most of us, I've never given time much thought. I found this episode very thought-provoking and eye-opening. Thanks, BT. When we consider time controls most every aspect of our lives, it certainly warrants a closer look. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled The Mysterious Fluid Nature of Time, and let us know what you think. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can share them on the next show. With us this hour discussing sacred geometry is Maureen J. St. Germain. Her website, marinesaintgermain.com. Marine, we were talking about how the uh, this code is actually in the DNA. And I'd like to take that a little further. There's a lot of talk right now about epigenetics, genetics, and epigenetics, and actually being able to change the expression of our DNA. Uh, is that what you're talking about when you were talking about the free will aspect? Um, not specifically. I was referring to the impact of our mental bodies, emotional bodies, and etheric bodies upon the physical system. So in a way, it is like what you're saying, but I'm approaching it from a different vantage point. Okay. And so you're saying that if we uh, change the way we think, we're going to change our expression? Mm-hmm. Indeed. You know, we, for example, I worked with someone recently who she knew she was irritated with her spouse and she developed a breast tumor. And when she consulted with me, we had a conversation and I said, you need to go back to that irritation and change your mind. Decide that you're okay with that or decide that you're going to unplug from, you know, the criticism you're getting or, or something. You know, find a way to, to choose a boundary that keeps you from being adversely impacted by someone else's opinion about something that's going on in your family. Once you do that, then you'll be able to dissolve and resolve that tumor, which she did. But this is subjective, right? Do you you have any studies on this, uh, scientific studies that prove that that was, in fact, cause and effect? I don't. So you're assuming. Yes, it's true. But the work I do is based upon the esoteric vantage point, and I have enough uh, uh, track record in history of people who've worked with me that concur with my conclusion. So your your point is well taken. There is no there are scientific studies on the tools that I use. For example, I use essential oil blends that were specially made to go with my work and we have done scientific studies on them and they have proven that for example, blood microscopy changes and improves has a bigger immune response or it starts to move quickly and clears the uh, junk in the blood. Those kinds of things We've also done DNA rewinding studies, and we've shown that the DNA wants to rewind quickly. And the faster it can rewind, the faster a human will heal. Can we we back up just a little bit? What is DNA rewinding? It's a way to study how DNA heals, because DNA can come apart and rewind. And so in the lab, they actually find, they have a way that they pull apart the DNA strands that are wound together. And then they measure how fast it returns to its normal state. And does it do that through magnetism? You know, I don't think so. When pers- when, a, when, a, when they, they measured someone's DNA, I don't know the details of the study because the, we hired a PhD physicist to do this for us. And 
when he measured the DNA and then he um, had the essential oil blends impact the DNA, and I don't know whether they put it in a Petri dish next to the DNA strands or what. I don't know the scientific steps of it. But what he came back to us with was the report that explained that we were he was seeing, and he compared them to a lot of different kinds of healing modalities, not just ours, so that we would have a point of reference. And also so it wouldn't be just our product, you see. So the um, essential oils each have their very unique frequency. And then those frequencies are used to counterbalance and imbalance in order to heal. Is So it's, it's an electromagnetic interaction? I can't answer that. It's what I understand. It's a limbic system answer. So it works on the limbic system and it works on the um, inner brain, not the logical brain. Um, and, and these are not just essential oils. They're essential oil blends. So it's the combination of these blends that are producing these effects. Right, right. I know it's a, fa a fascinating area of study, and I don't know enough about it to, to continue much on it. But if we are indeed relating to the world through the electromagnetic fields around our body, um, it sounds like that the essential oils can relate inward, but our intention can relate outward. Is that, is that safe to say? I'm not sure I would agree with that, because our intentions affect everything. Well, I guess it is outward, because... If the physical body is the last part and all the other outer bodies are outward, you know, it's so interesting that we're, you know, we're like fiddling with semantics here because I think of the mental body as something inward, even though if you were to draw it on a chart, it would sit outside the physical 3D body. So it's an interesting concept. Um, we think of our thoughts as mental, but our thoughts are being uh, composed at the mental body level. So is that in our brain or is that in the mental body, which is outside? The, it's not outside. It's one contiguous um, egg. It's not layered. Um, so, so isn't, isn't this really kind of inner or outer? Yeah. Isn't this kind of taking us back to the fact that we're moving from linear uh, way of conceiving of things into a more circular one and language is failing us? Yes. And I wouldn't call it just circle. I would call it spiral. Because we're not going in a complete circle. We're going in a, in a from a point, in, you know, as if it's a circle, but then the next round takes you higher or lower, or, you know, but a distance, so it's more like a spiral, like a spring. So it takes us back to the question, how is the electromagnetic field of the human body generated? I think it comes from source. I do not believe it comes from the human and I think they're interacting, but I think the outer bodies are creating the inner bodies. So Okay. So we're all different, though. How, how, how does that play in? Well, each of us have different points of reference, different experiences, different biases, different environments. So each of us will have a different expression, but that doesn't make the the source different. It simply means the source is in variety. Couldn't it be it's the interaction between source and the DNA that comes together when we incarnate physically um, that we're looking at here? I think that that would be a good statement. I w would agree with that. So do we have control of our personal electromagnetic field? Only if you work at it. You and I, as you know, uh, individual citizens, may or may not be able to do that, but the yogis can, and I certainly can at some levels, but not at all levels. You may be able to do it at some levels, but not all levels. I believe we do have control. You know, for example, you know those little heart rate monitors that you get on your phone that you can get as an app. You know, I've passed those around at family gatherings and you know played a game: who can get the lowest heart rate. And I can get my heart rate down to 46 on purpose without meditating. But that doesn't mean I can control every part of my electromagnetic field. It just means I got that one down. And yet our electromagnetic field, isn't that our interface with the outer world? Yes, it is. But it also is very tied to the chakras. And the chakras are tied to these fields. And so there's this relationship. For example, 
we use our heart chakra and our solar plexus chakra to read the field around us and to read other people's fields and to broadcast a certain amount of information and for their, you know, the opposing person's um, energy field through their chakras to be broadcast and read by us. That's why you so can you, walk, Go ahead. That's okay. Are you, are you saying then that the chakras each have their own individual electromagnetic field that plays a part in our um, auric field? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And as a matter of fact, I actually have been shown by my inner sight that the chakras have um, this torus field, the torrid field, uh, you know, this looks like an apple core type shape, just like the heart does, all the chakras do as well. Right, that's been my experience and what I've been taught that the toroidal fields, mm -hmm. which are, are capable of perpetual motion, interestingly enough, um, are the template for every electromagnetic field that we deal with. Is that your understanding as well? Yes, it is. It's, and it's actually my observed reality based upon meditation and my inner experiences. Okay. So again, just for clarity, we're talking about subjective information here. Indeed. Yes. Yes. So uh, if indeed our chakras um, influence our electromagnetic field, if we can consciously engage different chakras for different purposes, we can modulate our electromagnetic fields to affect a change in the outer world. That is also true. So where, I mean, chakras have been around <laughs> since the dawning of time, and we're now just coming to realize this, or is this old knowledge being unearthed? Well, first of all, chakras have not been around since the dawn of time. I mean, they have been, but they haven't been known about. So we can't, you know, we can't say that, that you know, humanity knew about them. They've really only known about them since the late uh, 1600s initially, and then more recently, by the mystic Madame Blavatsky, who brought so much of the Eastern teachings to the West. So our chakras are interacting with other people's chakras and with our electromagnetic field. This was going on, whether we knew about it or not, though, since yes. humans have been around, yes? Yes, 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 of course. So now are we just evolving into a mental understanding of this concept? Well, it's mental, but see, this is this goes back to that, you know, linear versus the, the curve. And that is not only are we getting our mental awareness up to speed, but we're also actively engaging our emotional body into this mix, which allows us to feel as well as to think. And it is that combined uh, uh, uniform aspect that allows us to create and co-create rather than just exist and follow the patterns that were put in front of us. So you said the chakras have been uh, recognized since the 1600s. Is that what you said? Yeah. The earliest person was a man named Gitchell and he uh, wrote about it, and, but he was very mysterious and he drew a few pictures that were very mysterious. And then later his work was found by Madame Blavatsky who popularized his picture, but basically they, her team wrote much more about the chakras, and that's really the earliest esoteric work on the chakras, which well, when Blavatsky was around in the 1900s. Well, the um, shamanism has been around between 50 and 60,000 years, and shaman are, you know, energy masters. They have worked all that time through the chakra system, affecting change in their electromagnetic field and therefore change in the world. So it's been around and been actually uh, a discipline for a very, very long time. So um, that, that time frame changes a little bit then, doesn't it, when we look at that? Of course, because I, I'm, not, I'm not a shaman. I'm not into the uh, shaman tradition, so I wouldn't know about that the way you're describing it, it it seems to me that there's a there's a disconnect because the the shamanism has been around for so long and yet Western society has well I can't say they completely dismissed but even when they have the opportunity to do scientific testing it's often poo pooed. Well, we'll have to pick up on this interesting topic uh, on the other side of another quick pause. Maureen and I will return to our discussions shortly, so you guys stay right there. This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, 
www.xzbn.net and the Exone TV channel, www.exonetvchannel.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge Information Pact past episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. To find out more about me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the other things I offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. Our guest this hour is Marine J. St. Germain. We're speaking about the power of opening your heart and dealing with your electromagnetic field. Her website, marinesaintgermain.com. Marine, we were talking about, um, we were talking about shamanism, but that's a little bit beside the point. What I'd really like to get into is um, how do we um, interface between the heart, which apparently is a pretty powerful chakra, in, in its ability to manage our frequency and interface with the outside world electromagnetically. How do, how do we activate that? One way is to learn the Merkaba meditation, which is based on sacred geometry, and it's two tetrahedrons that are nested together in a shape that people refer to as the Merkaba, but it's like a star tetrahedron, two tetrahedrons that are midway nested. That shape allows the energetic field to step up to its highest frequency that the human can hold at this time. What that does is create a balance between the male and female side of all of us. The um, idea that the heart chakra is the key is very important, and I really appreciate your starting with that, because it is my experience that it isn't just about the mind, and it isn't just about the heart. It's a dance, and the dance is created by the mind and the heart together. So I like to say that, that it's a dance between the heart and the mind, and the heart leads and the, and the mind directs. You know, we're going this way, but the heart takes that step. So what that does is allows us to feel the heart of those we are interacting with. And when we have our ability to perceive what's going on in our heart and then the heart of the person we're facing, we're actually able to connect in a way that we wouldn't have been able to before. And then our responses, our interactions are aligned with what their needs are as well as our own. So it becomes, as as the common phrase, win-win. So if we go backwards, uh, where did the concept of the Merkaba um, originate? The Merkaba is an ancient idea from Old Testament, is the first place that um, I believe it's mentioned. And it was referred to as the Merkaba, V-A-H, instead of B-A, Merkaba. And it was in Ezekiel where he talks about the wheels within the wheels. And he explains in that segment that they were even told to ingest part of the Merkaba. Um, later, uh, uh, esoteric work also refers to the Merkaba. And more recently, um, many people have brought forward a, a ways to activate that energetic field. And a person could spontaneously activate that field, or they could learn it by um, either studying the steps to the guided meditation or, um, you know, having an, an experience. We, I've had I've had people that I worked with that just had a spontaneous activation of their Merkaba. And the Merkaba field itself isn't just one star tetrahedron, it's three. And one is stationary, representing the physical body, one spins to the left, and that's the mental body, and one spins to the right, and that's the emotional body. And so there's a in the phi ratio, in that magical source code ratio. And so it's how we evolve. And it's it's like hugely balanced in terms of helping us evolve and 
co-create and be creative as well as being balanced and in the heart. You know, it's an interesting thing, but one of the things that happened in the early years when I was first teaching that work is that I would get the wife of a man who had taken the class from me because they were very interested in sacred geometry and very interested in the science behind it. And then they would, the wife would call me five weeks later, six weeks later and say, um, can you come back and teach that again? Because I want to take it now. I can't believe the changes in my husband. So the integration and we move from this place of, of um, having um, things happen that are out of balance in a way that is, <clears throat> how should I put it? The sensitivity of an individual is based upon their capacity to, to comprehend or to grok or to, to grasp what's really going on. And the more sensitive they are, the more capable they are of understanding what's going on. And generally, women being more emotional have the capacity, a greater capacity, and men have a lesser capacity. But what happens when you uh, uh, balance both of those and you have your heart and your mind working together, you're no longer in a place of judgment. You're no longer in a place of needing to have the solution in front of you, and you are open to what's in front of you in a way that allows you to see solutions knowing and understanding that's different than what you could do on your own. So what so happened? The, so this, this Merkava, um, is it just there? Um, is it part of the field that we generate? Is there a Merkava in each of our uh, chakras? Um, is it an as below, above, so below kind of thing? Where, where's this thing come from? Well, you get, just gave me a lot of yeses. <laughs> so yes, it's in the body. Yes, it's um, in everyone. And what happened is we learn how to turn it on. When I say activate it, I'm talking about learning how to turn it on. And um, yes, there is a Merkaba field below the feet called the Earth Star Chakra that looks like that shape. Um, so uh, how, shall, how shall we... When we move into this place of balance, we no longer have the need to have the answer in our head when we're asking the question. You know, it goes back to something simple, like when I tell mothers, don't ask your kids a question that you already know the answer. Ask the question in a way that empowers the child to tell you the truth. Because if you say, have you done your homework? You know perfectly well they're going to say no. If they haven't, they're not going to, I mean, they're not going to say no if they haven't. They're so going to say, I, yeah. I'd like I'd like to back up a little bit. You say that we need to learn to turn on the Merkaba. It sounds like it's a natural part of us, like our birthright. Is is that is that the case? It's, it's naturally part of us. It is naturally part of us, but it's dormant. Why? What turned it off? Um, that's a story that I don't think we can do on the radio because it's such a long story. But th the fastest way to say it is, when we descended into physical form, we lost the capacity to turn it on. Okay, descended into physical form, meaning? Okay, <laughs> you and I are operating from such different vantage points. I still believe that we come from the etheric, then to the mental and emotional and physical. So when there was consciousness on this planet that was not in a physical body. When we descended into the physical bodies, we no longer had that capacity to turn on that field. Oh, so you're saying when we, when we, when our consciousness, when we, when we kind of trapped ourselves in the physical body, because um, according to myths and legends, there was a time when we could do both. We could be physical or we could um, leave the body and travel around. Exactly. Okay. Okay, so now that we're, we've been in physical form and our concept has been one of physicality for so long, we've forgotten how to operate this other machine, if you will. Exactly, and that's why we say to people, you're remembering the Merkaba. You're not actually learning it, you're remembering it. So it's the energetic field in every aspect of us, and, the, and so say the Merkaba of the heart, of the heart chakra, interacts with the Merkaba of the auric field. And as we start to consciously learn to turn these on and it interacts with our auric field, then it has access to other people and other parts of the world. Is that correct? The, there are not dimensional sized or 
chakra sized Merkabas. It's one size. There's three of them. That the shapes are three separate star tetrahedrons that are on the same axis in the same space, and they literally cross into each other and and move through each other to create the system called the Merkaba. So it's one system, but it's connected to the three lower bodies: the physical, the mental, and the emotional bodies. Okay. And that's the creation zone that you're talking about. Great. So then um, how do the chakra system interface with the Merkaba? They interface through the pranic tube because the pranic tube is the central column that unites all of this. Okay, I'm sorry. Back up and define the pranic tube for us. The pranic tube is a tube that's about the size of a fluorescent light bulb, and it sits in front of the spine, and this is the point where all of the chakras lead to each other. So they're all coming off of the pranic tube. So this pranic tube is not a physical entity, but an energetic one? That is correct. Okay, and how did we discover that? How do we know it really exists? I guess we go back to the ancient traditions and people like Madame Blavatsky who taught about it, and she pulled it from the ancient Tibetans who probably carried it for centuries. So actually, we're bringing forward ancient knowledge in this new um, approach to the Merkaba meditation? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. It's very, it, 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 it is quite amazing. And, you know, it, what's interesting to me is, you know, I've had people call me and say after they've had a class that they actually were on sales calls and someone said, there's something spinning around you. Do you know, do you know what that is? And it was not somebody who was a friend. It was just, you know, on a random sales call at a car, de- not a car dealership, but a car repair shop. And, you know, they, someone, I could see it and, and could, could com- uh, make contrast that that was different from everybody else. So there is a uh, visual difference or does the person that's observing this visual difference have to be fairly gifted? I think the person that's making the visual difference has to have some level of inner sight or perhaps they had some connection with this person that they don't know that they had uh, for them to have seen it. Um, I don't particularly see that field, although I do see a lot of things. I don't see that field. Yet when I am focused on seeing it, I can see it, if that makes sense. It's kind of like if you if you tell someone, don't think of the elephant in the room, the elephant's in the room. But in my case, if I think about the Merkaba and I look at the shape, I can see it. If I if I asked um, to see your Merkaba shape, it, it, if it were turned on, I would be able to see. It can have it can have dents or divots in it. It can be any color. It can have you know the top half be one color and the bottom half another color. It has all kinds of expressions. So is this when we do the what is it Kelvin photography when we pick up the auric field? Is this actually what's being photographed? I don't think so. I think the Curlian photography is actually photographing the energetic field, not the Merkaba. Ah, okay. So um, is there some scientific measurement of the Merkaba field? I don't think so. (laughs) So, you know, we've got some fairly sensitive machinery, but, you know, we can can measure the, uh, the electromagnetic field of the heart, but we can't do it of the Merkaba. I don't know that we can't. I just don't think there's anyone who has attempted to do that, to be honest. If there is, I don't know about them. That would be an interesting study, wouldn't it? Seeing how we're putting, so much, we're putting so much weight into this, and it's supposed yeah. to be creating um, uh, an avenue for evolution, an avenue for having power in our world that we heretofore have not had for generations. I think it would warrant some study. Why, now, why hasn't your group done that? I haven't done it, and my you know, my group hasn't done it because we've been more interested in the uh, benefits rather than trying to prove it to anybody. You know, it's very interesting that you ask this question because I, uh, two years ago, partnered with another company on, on one of my projects, and I was so surprised that they wanted to do scientific studies. So I hear your point, but I can assure you that I have had thousands of people who can feel the difference and well, sense it, but it doesn't mean that there's a science study. You know that we're, we're going to have to pick. Way. 
we're going to have to pick up on on the other side of a commercial break. (laughs) Maureen and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion, so don't go away. This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest that you think would be of interest, email us at info at missionevolution.org. For more about me, my school, and the evolutionary tools we offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Maureen J. St. Germain. Her website, MarineStGermain.com. Marine, we were getting into the the nature nurture, if you will, but the you know experiencing the Merkaba versus doing scientific studies on it and scientifically proving that there is indeed something going on outside of our agreed upon reality, um, and um, I, I understand both, I really do, but this society or this world is is scientific based and wouldn't you reach more people um if you did have some scientific back backing to the existence of the merkaba and what it can do well you know you make a good point to be fair i have always had a inner mission to give people tools to help them step into their power and to step into their opportunities and to create opportunities so i started with the sacred geometry and i taught how to manifest with sacred geometry and then i got into the sacred geometry meditation which i found to be very powerful and so it's been an evolution for me of how i can help others shift and grow and i haven't needed to do that but your point is well taken and and certainly uh could be explored well, say, for instance, I'm a preceptor for the University of Colorado School of Medicine. But what I am professionally is a shamanic practitioner and teacher. And what I do is I teach doctors the interface between shamanism and allopathic medicine. I would think, given where we started this conversation, if indeed this can help us with our physical ailment, that it would be wonderful if we could start getting it into the medical system. And we can't do that without scientific proof. Well said. <laughs> I don't have the connections and I haven't had the inner drive to go there because I've had such a full plate. Yes, this Maybe. is what yours to do, to do is what you're doing, right? Exactly. And, you know, I, one of the things that, that I have found that I, that I gained from doing the Merkaba was a knowledge base, <laughs> excuse me, a knowledge base that allowed me to teach people to get 100% accuracy on their inner wisdom and that isn't that isn't taught anywhere, and but, it's a very large claim to make. But I know it's it's so. But what what do you how do you measure a hundred percent accuracy? I mean, right there, that's a scientific term, a percentage. Where do you get that? Um, <clears throat> I get it from the anecdotal evidence I get from the people who have used the t- the, the tool that I gave them. Okay, so it's again subjective, and for all we know, it's it's placebo. But isn't scientific? evidence subjective i mean it's it's still collecting data from individuals and circumstances because even the shamanic stuff you're doing isn't always measured by a tool the altered state of consciousness is um it's they they test brain waves so yeah it's 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 all baby baby steps into getting this into mainstream but i really you should be my mentor in this category (laughs) well we're talking about full plates right So let's talk a little bit about how we can use the Merkaba meditation to uh, evolve as individuals. Okay, so what happens is our capacity to understand what's going on around us changes, and we become more plugged into the entire reality without bias. So a couple of things happen. When there's incoming um, 
criticism or condemnation or, uh, you know, behaviors that are maybe some people would perceive as hurtful when with an activated Merkaba, you only see the love behind it. You only see their, um, you know, desire to get to know you or to interact with you. And so you don't find yourself being defensive. You're also not feeling hurt or wounded because of it. That physically allows you to get your whole act together a lot faster because you're not trying to fix wounds or repair or recover from trauma or dramas. So, so let me see. Let me see if I've got this right. <laughs> I'm getting this mental image, so I got to run it by you. Um, so once you activate the Merkaba, apparently it brings you into the present moment so that you aren't as subject to your own triggers. Not only that, but you're not subject to other people's influence on you, even if you would have been without the Merkaba. Right. Well, the triggers is where they're influencing you, right? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't take offense easily, but some people do. But if somebody said something that was anybody would say would be offensive, you would get that. Like, you know, the time that my stepfather said, you're just like your mother. And I and I turned to him and looked at him and said, thank you. That's one of the nicest things you've ever said. And I had not a second thought about it till I was laying in bed that night thinking, hmm, maybe he didn't want to say it that maybe he was, you know, he was dry, you know, upset or something. But the, the reaction that you give out is always a place of unconditional love. And yes, that's that is the present. But also it's the present when someone says something hurtful that you it's not a trigger. I mean, if someone criticizes my mother, that's not a trigger for me. That's me trying to protect her. I don't see that as my trigger. Well, the need to protect her might be seen as such, but again, we're splitting hairs here. Mm. Um, so once once you've activated activated the Merkaba, you have uh, obtained balance between mind and heart, and you've obtained balance between the masculine and feminine aspects of yourself. Is that correct? Yes, and you also have been plugged into the reality, so you have access to data that you don't know how you know. <laughs> Excuse me. For example. I was scheduled to teach in New York City in uh, September of 2001, and I was told the dates to be there. I was guided with my guidance on what dates and when to be there. And when I went to buy my return ticket, which I was going to spend an extra day there and return home on Tuesday, September 11th, I had a very clear message, fly home immediately. And I didn't ask why. I didn't know why. I just knew that I had to be home on that Tuesday. Now, when, when I had to break some of the engagements that I had made for the Monday, I was asked, why are you doing this? Why are you changing your plan? And my answer was, I don't know. I just know that I need to be home. And I got a very clear message when I went to buy my airline ticket. So I, I um, and I had like 35 people in each of my classes at the time. And, uh, I could have stayed. There was no reason to not stay. I had a free place to stay. Everything was in my favor, but I was literally told, do not fly on that day. So, but this doesn't work for you all the time, I take it. Why wouldn't it? Well, we had an appointment at one and you thought it was three and you sent me the confirmation for one oh, o'clock today. Goes back, this goes back to your big discussion on time that I am going to go back and listen to because my connection to time is different from yours and it's different from practically everybody and I don't always operate in time. And it is true that I, that I am unplugged from time, but I don't see that as not being, uh, what is the word I want? I don't know how to explain it, but time is not my thing. I can be told by my guides, get to the airport, you know, when I normally don't get there that early. And then I show up and they say, oh, by the way, your flight was canceled, but we can put you on this flight that's leaving earlier than your other flight because you're here. But all that still relates to time, yes? Yes, but not in the way that everybody else perceives time. So is, is the Merkaba, does it kind of take you out of time and space? Um, I don't how think does the Merkaba the Mer relate to time? Okay, in my case, the Merkaba and my, my thing with time are not related. I mean, they might be related, but that's not why I'm out of sync with time. Everybody who activates their Merkaba is where they need to be um, 
in any kind of, you know, extenuating circumstances that are dramatic and are life threatening. What I can tell you is that, and my, my dear assistant will tell you as well, I, I am often have to be reminded what time it is or that something, I could be an hour early or I could be late because I'm not plugged into time the same way everybody else is. And it's hard for me to explain that to people, but it is true. And I can also compress time and I can expand time. I've traveled across Egypt in, in, in what would others would call a time warp where I've you know done the distance. And does, does that ability, and I've had that experience as well, um, does that ability... Uh, to stretch time or compress time, does that relate to the Merkaba and your your mastery of it? It might, but I don't know that for a fact. I wouldn't make that statement. Um, it, it, I think that I'm the exception to the rule. I do think that everybody can do this thing that we just talked about, about stretching time or compressing time. Not everybody maybe is willing to do that, but... <clears throat> That's, that's like a, it's like some people can play the piano really easily and some people have to work at it. So what I want to say about all that is my connection with time is, is unnatural. <laughs> and, and the Merkaba allows us to act and react. And I did pick up the phone when you called, even though I wasn't there exactly at the one o'clock mark, like I said I was going to be. I had the guidance to pick up that phone line to get your call to say, where are you? <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing because I often don't answer that phone. Um, yeah, well, the, the, the um, time thing, it may, the time thing may, uh, what is the word I want? The time thing may be elevated or, or exaggerated by having a Merkaba and having that capacity makes, maybe makes it easier, but I don't know that those two are partners, if you will. So what does what does the Merkaba do to our personal field? Does it expand it? Does it make us more aware of it? Um, how does it interface with the world that we start to get this interesting information? I believe that it ha- you have the capacity to be plugged into your divine self at the same time that you're plugged into your own awareness, and so you're you're getting awareness of the reality around you, like a feed, like an electronic feed. And I'm at the place where I'm actually aware of the feed and I can differentiate that from my own thought. Not everyone would be. So what's, what's the feed and what, what is our divine self? Okay, imagine that you're doing a radio show over and your, your producer is playing the feed of the radio show that you first did in your ear while you redo it. Shoot me now comes to mind. <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> that sounds like it was pretty funny. <laughs> so, so if we're working with the Merkaba, how does that connect us with our divine self? And what is our divine self that you're talking about? I see the divine self as the higher self, the aspect of you that's fully connected to God, like the transformer that steps down the God energy so that you can you know, connect with it. Um, it is an aspect of the self that is aware of everything you're aware of uh, and has resources that you and I don't have. You know, on numerous occasions, I've been told to pick up the phone and call somebody and, you know, on when we are virtually out of time, Maureen, what is in closing, would you like to say to our audience? I would like to invite all of them to step into 5D by saying the following phrase. I'm asking for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I come in contact with. Would you repeat that? I'm asking for a day of heaven on earth for me and everyone I am in contact with. That's beautiful. Maureen, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Our guest this hour has been Maureen J. St. Germain, an Ascension teacher and best-selling award-winning author. Her latest book is Beyond the Flower of Life. Her website, mariestgermain.com. Remember, our entire information-packed past episode collection is available for listen or download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. 
Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world. Thank you.